You said that if you'd be lifted up, you'd draw all men unto yourself. Jesus, we lift you up this morning right here in this place right now. Lord, we're not just doing church just out of routine or ordinary or this is what we do, just go through the motions. No, we are here to glorify you, Jesus. We're here to lift you up. We're here to draw closer to you, Jesus. We're here to become more like you, Jesus, in every part of our lives. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that no matter what we need in our lives, whatever we lack, you'll provide. All that we need is found in you, Lord. And in you, we find complete and total satisfaction. Lord, you know all the needs of those that are in this local body of believers, those that are here this morning, those that are, are streaming our, our service online right now, and even those that are watching the, the, you know, the video of it later, you know, the stream later. And God, I just pray that you would show yourself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to you, as your word says, that you'd move in every situation, every circumstance, every, everything that's going on, God. We know that you're sovereign, you have a plan, and it's all for your glory. And we just submit to that, and we rest in you, Lord. God, you know the members and the, the people of this church, God, that are struggling. I talked about weeping and mourning. And Lord, there are some in our congregation, our, our church family, they're, they're, they're mourning and they're crying right now because of things that are going on in their lives or their families or their children or their jobs or, or whatever, or their health. Lord, remind them that weeping may last for the night, but your joy comes in the morning because our strength is in you. As we learn in Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So comfort them right now, God. Give them peace and assurance and heal and save and deliver and, and make a way where, where, where it seems impossible. Do the miraculous, Lord, I pray. The miraculous in people's lives so that we are awed and inspired and we say, only the Lord could do that. Hallelujah. Lord, we've, plant, we've dug into the soil of our heart this morning. Now, uh, let our hearts be ready for the seed of your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good, yes? And all the time, God is good. Give somebody a high five or a fist bump or a handshake next to you, okay? Double fisted, double hand, that's Okay. Hey, a quick announcement. I'll let you guys greet each other in just a minute. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Couple of things real quick. Hey, I brought up our project, our growing into our future project last week and how you know we're trying to raise 10% of the project cost. That's $25,000. And we were only about 2,000, I think 400 or 352, 62. I think it was like 62 cents away from our goal. I've got good news. Somebody came and gave me 62 cents last week. So they covered the odd change of, no, I'm just kidding. We met our fundraising goal last week and beyond, praise the Lord, and beyond. We went beyond what we've asked. And so listen, does that mean, well, Greg, I was still going to give. God's been putting it on my heart to give, but I've been delaying. Listen, you can still give even after the project's done. If God puts it on your heart to give to it, you can um, because we're going to start, like I said last week, furnishing and getting all kinds of good stuff and flooring. And, but I just wanted to give the Lord praise. Amen? The Lord praise. Hallelujah. So there's that this morning. Uh, also, the women's Bible study. The uh, first week was last Monday. How was it, women? 
There was over 40 ladies here. They're all not here today, that's for sure. All right, just kidding. There was over 40 ladies here last Monday, uh, and so it's 6.30 is the time, ladies, fellowship and Bible study right here. It's awesome. Life groups have begun meeting again. We encourage everyone to get involved in a life group. We've been talking about godly vision. If God is pulling on your heart to start a group, listen, come talk to me. We could use more. Uh, I would love to talk to you about that. That's great. Um, somebody said this week uh, regarding life groups, they go, that, we realize that is what we really, really need in our life. And, and, and we realize we're missing. And, you know, and so a lot of times when people start going to a life group, that's an echoing sentiment that you hear all the time. Dude, that was missing in my walk of Christ, that fellowship with other believers, okay? So that, those are starting up there. Hey, follow us and like us on social media, okay? Facebook, uh, Instagram, all those great channels, YouTube. Uh, we push a lot of content. Where's Celeste, our social media manager? She's the one with the camera on her. She's probably taking pictures of our kids right now and stuff like that. She does a great job of posting content. And uh, so like us and follow us. It's a great way to keep updated with the church as well. I do have to announce, gang, if you have a college student or you're a college student in this room today or you're watching online, September 7th, it's sponsored by the, the Saw Group Baptist Student Ministry, Co- Cody Conroy is a, a coordinator, um, right here on our campus is going to be a Nerf War, all right? And if you're an adult and you'd like to help officiate that, you know, we need, we need officials help run that, come see me or Cody, because we need some, some people from Oso Creek to help, you know, get that Nerf war going on. We'll give you full uh, gear of equipment, uh, protective equipment. We don't have that. That's a joke. But anyway, that's September 7th, so check that out, okay? Hey, we're going to, uh, it's a time of giving. The giving QR code's right there. You can give in the joy boxes. You can give online. Very, very important part of worship is giving, because it shows the Lord, say, hey, God, I'm, I'm, I'm obedient in this to you, Lord. And I realize that I don't own anything myself, and I'm just, Lord, I just want to worship you. So let's take a few moments. Let's give real quick. Um, While we're watching a video that's talking about the Iron Men of God retreat, my goal is this. Every man of Oso Creek attending this weekend retreat, if you can, trust me, it's amazing. Just, Just watch this testimony right here of one of our own. Actually, really good. None of it was like prepackaged kind of stuff. 
It wasn't processed. It wasn't any of that. It was just like, it was homemade. We had like chili one night. Oh, I had like chili. Are you excited to go back to the retreat? Yeah, I'm very excited to go back to the retreat. Why? Because I get to see Dario and I get to spend more time with my dad. I would for sure recommend others go because you get to spend time with your friends. You get to spend time with other men that you get to like, that can teach you stuff that you look up to. You get to spend time with God, most importantly, and learn from him. Yeah, there's brochures. It's in the bulletin. It's on the website, osocreek.org. Uh, there's bulletin, or there's, a, like I said, brochures out in the lobby. Listen, guys, it's $35, man. $35. If you can't afford that, come talk to me or Joe Quintanilla is out of town uh, this, this weekend, but um, we'll help you get there, okay? It, trust me, you will not regret going, okay? Hey, let's get to the Word of God. Got a Bible or Bible app this morning, Nehemiah chapter 4, as we continue our series of the power of a godly vision. Uh, this message is very important to me, this message and the message next week. And, and the title, I'm titling this message, you know, They Are Making fun of me. Ridicule. They are making fun of me. I'm so glad everybody's here this morning. Uh, there's plenty of seats this week. The last couple of weeks, man, it was hard to find a seat. Um, but it's great to see all of you guys here this morning, all of you watching online. And so over the next two weeks, I want to I speak about how to handle criticism and ridicule and opposition when we're pursuing what God has placed on our hearts, the visions for what he's given us in the different areas of our lives and our church. Especially, everyone say especially. especially. Thank you for helping me this morning. Especially if your vision is to live out your faith in the Lord, standing on the truth of God's word. Amen? And that should be everyone's vision. That every one of us should have that determination in our, in our hearts where we're uh, living out our faith, standing on the truth of God's word, proclaiming his truth in this secular, pluralistic world where people are compromising the truth of God's word every single day, even to the point of making up a false Jesus, a false Jesus that's different than the one that's revealed to us in God's word, right, ladies who are here on the Bible study on Monday? Megan talked about that. People are like, well, I understand now the Bible, Jesus of the Bible is this, but there's an aspects of it that I don't like, so I'm gonna create Jesus to be like that, and that's gonna be great, okay? Even when others say, well, I don't believe in the Bible, or I'm not gonna follow that biblical truth, or let us disregard portions of the Bible that we don't like, okay? But you continue to stand and say, no, this is what God's word says. This is all very important. You've decided to follow Jesus, be his disciple through thick and thin. I pray that this message today and next week, you are encouraged and you are helped and you are inspired uh, by, by God's word, okay? So I'm gonna read, we're going to read one verse this week and we're going to unpack more uh, of Nehemiah 4 next week, but the one verse is Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Nehemiah writing, now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged and he jeered or mocked or ridiculed or made fun at 
the Jews or of the Jews, and he's referring to those that were working on building, rebuilding the wall and rebuilding the gates. So when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. Now, how many of you have ever heard of Murphy's Law? Let me raise your hand, or let me raise your hand. I can't do that. Raise your hand, all right? All right. Well, what, 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 is, what does it mean? What, what even is Murphy's Law? Murphy's Law is an adage or epigram that typically means anything that can go wrong, you guys know it, right? Will go wrong. And this adage has been applied to so many aspects of life. Now, I don't personally know who Murphy is, but what a sad person, right? <laughs> what a sad person. I mean, he or she has written a whole set of laws stating the complete opposite of things going right, and all this is named after them? I can't even imagine the life that they live, you know? It's like, dude, everything is opposite for you, Murph, so we're gonna just create a whole bunch of sayings that we see happen in your life, okay? Here's some examples of Murphy's Law. At least one check will be lost in the mail every month. Autofocus won't focus. At least one cell phone will ring during a rehearsal or a concert. And I would even say at a church service, okay? Heard a guy one time, the phone rang at a church service, the minister said, that better be God calling you, you know what I mean? And if it is, tell him we said hello, all right. Um, then there's some, if, if you keep anything long enough, you can throw it away, but if you throw anything away, you're gonna need it the very next day. How many know that's true? That's me, right? If left to themselves, things tend to go from bad to worse. Nothing is as easy as it looks. Everything takes longer than you think. If everything seems to be going well, you've obviously overlooked something. And, and the, yeah, the tagline to Murphy's Laws is this, anything that can go wrong, like we said, will go wrong. So we've talked about how God sent Nehemiah to the city of Jerusalem, how he prayed, he got favor with the king of Persia, how then Nehemiah moved from the luxury of Persia to the ruins of Jerusalem, how he got the people of the city to work together, rebuilding the the burnt and torn down ruined walls and gates of the city. That's chapters one through three, but now we get to chapter four and things begin to start getting complicated for our boy Nehemiah. Mr. or Mrs., we don't know the name, Murphy shows up and reminds Nehemiah that when everything seems to be going well, you've obviously overlooked something. Kind of like this illustrated story that I read. There was a situation that took place ago, years ago in Darlington, Maryland. There's a mother of eight. Her name was Edith. She came home on a Saturday uh, morning from her neighbor's house only to discover that five of her youngest children, they were huddled together in the living room intensely concentrated on something. As she slipped in, you know, behind them to see what they were doing, she couldn't believe her eyes. Smack in the middle of her huddled kids were several baby skunks. She screamed at the top of her voice, children, run! So each kid grabbed a skunk and ran into their bedroom. You know, (laughs) if anything can go wrong, all right, it certainly will. And gang, the truth is this can seem to be true regarding God's move in our lives, in our church, and in the visions that he's given to us and placed upon our hearts, okay? Okay. Look, 
I tell this to people all the time, believers walking in Christ. When God begins to work in your life and stirring up in your heart, okay, and things are working together, much like the people were building the walls, okay? You're, you're seeing vision happening. You're seeing vision taking place, all right? You're standing for Christ and his word in the middle of your family and your workplace, the school you attend, uh, the, 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 the school you work in, maybe even on social media, all right? But when, when you start to do these things and stand for Christ and God starts to do work in your heart and in your life, there's going to be ridicule. There will be persecution. There will be attacks. You will face challenges. You will face opposition. People will not believe you or believe in you. They will ridicule you. you know, there will be things that seem to go wrong and they might even definitely go wrong. And that's because whenever God's people arise to build, Satan's going to come and try to stop them. When God's people have a mind to work, the devil has a mind to wreck, to wreck it. And you can be prepared that when God does something incredible in your life, or he begins to move in your life, the enemy's going to come in, he's going to try to knock you down. It's a truth. And I've said it to so many believers, all right? Because the enemy would like to keep us with our walls and our defenses down, living defeated and discouraged lives. The enemy does not want your God-given visions to come to fulfillment because he knows that the kingdom of Christ will then be advanced. So he and his cohorts, they will attack you, oppose you, He'll try to get you to give up on the visions and the burdens that God has placed upon your heart. And the enemy will use people. He will use situations and circumstances. He will use doubt. The enemy will even you know, use our emotions and play with our emotions to try to, to get this to happen, to try to get us to give up and to quit on the visions the burdens that God's placed upon our heart, what God has called us to do. But the Bible gives us some encouragement when facing an attack from the enemy. James 4, 7, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, the apostle writes, little children, you are from God and have overcome them for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Praise the Lord for that. And the Apostle Paul writes in the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 37, and, and we've talked about this in the last couple of messages, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Can we just praise the Lord for that truth this morning? And if you're watching online, you better be praising right along with us. Get the praise break on, right? I love what Paul writes here. We're not just conquerors. No, we're more than conquerors, praise the Lord. So going back to our boy Nehemiah, he had this vision from God for his people. He left his, his plush situation and, 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 and very high position of his home in Persia, you know, to help God's people rebuild the walls around the city. And now he's facing ridicule and opposition. And here in chapter four, we're, we're going to learn five ways from Nehemiah's story and experience uh, to help us overcome opposition and challenges that we will face seeing our God-given visions come to pass, okay? 
Today, I know you see the Crete notes, they look very long. We're going to talk about the very first part today because of the foundation and the basis of the remaining four parts. And I don't think anybody wants to be here till 1.30 p.m. Anybody? I mean, if you guys want to stay till 1.30, well, David, all right, you two can stay and I'll preach the whole message to you guys. Everybody else go home, we'll come back next week. <laughs> so number one, oh boy, this is a truth that every believer needs to know and recognize. Number one, first point, expect to be ridiculed. The first thing we've got to do is just, number one, we've got to expect to be ridiculed. That's what we see happening to Nehemiah in the first verse of chapter four. Things were humming. Things were going great. The walls are being rebuilt. Everybody is in unity. Everybody's working together. They've gone around to all the, you know, we spent two weeks, no, we spent three weeks going to all the gates, talking about all the gates and their spiritual significance. The gates are being rebuilt. The walls are being rebuilt. Everybody's singing a song. It's great. Like I said, they're unity, unified. And then ridicule comes from the cheap seats. Sanballat, this guy, here's their, 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 they're rebuilding the wall and, and he, he, he gets you know, very angry, he's enraged. You know, different translations will, of, of, the, of the Bible will put different descriptors there and, and then he, he mocks the Jews, he ridicules them, okay? So who is this guy? Who is Sanballat? Where did he come from? We have to understand he was the appointed governor of Samaria, this region where Jerusalem is, okay? He was a regional leader and he became a loud, obnoxious voice of opposition in the rebuilding of Jerusalem's walls. Sanballat was actually an evil man opposing the work of the Lord. And we see in verse one of chapter four that when, the, when he heard what was happening, Dude, it enraged him. He got so mad, indignant, furious, so he just made fun of Nehemiah and the Jewish people, okay? There will be people that get mad at you for being a Christian. There will be people that get mad at you for following the Lord, there will, be, there, will get, there will be people that get mad at you for standing on the truth of God's word, okay? How many know that? You recognize that. Because the truth is this, you will be made fun of as a believer in Christ. Let that sit in your heart for a moment. You will be made fun of as a believer in Christ. And often when you begin to live out the vision that God's given you, you know, you, you, oftentimes you'll be criticized by those who are even the closest to you. And, and this is actually the hardest and harshest criticism of all. Why do they do that? Why do they make fun of you? Why do they ridicule? Why do they tell jokes at your expense? Why do others around you attack you for being a believer, for following Christ, for standing in faith? for believing in the word of God and in him. Here's why they do it, because you are a threat to them. You are threatening them. You are active, and they are doing nothing for the kingdom of Christ. You're, you pursuing your vision, what it does, it exposes the lack that is in their lives. Maybe your vision is making someone feel like they're losing control, okay? 
You have what they need inside of your life and they see that and they know that and, and, and what they're left with is emptiness, but they see purpose in you. They see you living a life of faith. They see your peace. They see your joy. They see your strength. They know they need those things. And then it's kind of threatening because they don't have that, okay? The Holy Spirit is bearing witness that Christ is in your life. That's what Paul writes in Romans 8, 16. And deep down, they know you're right and they are wrong. And so to make them feel better, they will try to get you to stop, to quit, to give up, and then to come down to life on their level. And then they'll feel good again about themselves living the wrong life, okay? But what is sad is this, and, and this happens too many times. A believer, they'll feel a burden from the Lord, a pulse from God. God will give them a vision. They're, they're following God's word, okay? And this is what happens. Someone will listen to the ridicule or criticism, and they give up their visions from God. They quit, and they stop. And when someone loses heart and gives up on the vision, when, when your vision from the Lord dies, a part of you dies as well, okay? Kind of like some of these scenarios. There's a young single Christian lady who wants to be married, okay? But she wants to marry a strong believer. And so she just wants to date and marry only strong believers, some that will provide a strong Christian leadership once they're married, okay? So she passes up many dates with handsome non-Christian guys and her friends look at her and say, you're crazy. Your standards are too high. There's no guys in the world like that. So what happens? Eventually she gives in, gives up, and begins dating and marrying losers <laughs> and her walk with Christ suffers greatly and she gives up on her vision. A gentleman brings a Bible to read during his breaks at work and also to be a witness for the Lord. He's made fun of. He's ridiculed and mocked. And, and actually an employee says, hey, that's not allowed here. So he gives in, gives up. He packs the Bible away and he gives up on his vision. A young married couple has a godly vision of, of living their lives debt-free. Their parents who are laden with debt tells them, hey, it's part of life. Everybody has debt these days. You know, have fun. S spend the money. Rack up the debt. Don't worry. So what do they do? It's a young married They give in. They give up. And they live the rest of their lives as a slave to debt. A college freshman decides to take a stand for Christ at her liberal university. She countered a lecture once with proper biblical criticism, and the professor single, singles her out, made her feel isolated, ridiculed in front of her peers, so she just gave up, give in, became a pushover for the liberal professor, one after another of them, writing papers and studying things that were so contrary to her core beliefs, she gave up on her vision. Another student wants to start a Bible study in their hall, but after several rejections by those in the hall, quits and the vision is snuffed out. Father wants to raise godly kids, 
A mom wants to raise godly kids, but all the programs that they listen to or watch or even all the magazine articles that, that, that they read says that parents should let their kids grow up on their own with their own identity and thoughts and develop themselves, make their own choices. Let them choose to whether even to go to church or not. So the parents give in, they give up, and their kids grow up out of church, far from God, and that vision slips away. Vision slips away. Sadly, a lot of times believers might listen to like Dr. Phil or some other person or I don't know, just name it, you know, some magazine rather than the Holy Spirit. I could continue to talk about so many of these scenarios like this this morning regarding believers in the workplace, believers in education, at school, and that's middle school, elementary school, high school, college, graduate school, families, coaching, sports teams, marriages. But what happened in these examples? They gave in. They let the visions die because of naysayers or ridicule or unbelief. They became secret agent followers of Christ, which there's no such thing. <laughs> they said, I'll, I'll just keep my faith to myself. I'll just, I'll just do it for me and not worry. And I'll just, yeah, just, it's just me and Jesus. Praise the Lord, you know. No one else has to know. no. Jesus said, let your light shine. But because of whatever, ridicule, criticism, pressure, they let that vision be snuffed out or hidden, okay? Or even die because of that ridicule or, or unbelief. They let the opposition of others kill their vision of what God was doing in their lives. And listen, when your critics can't argue out of your vision with reason, they will turn to attacking you. Personal attacks with ridicule. Every true Christian will face ridicule for his or her faith. You will. It might come in just simple, seamless, seemingly harmless jokes at your expense around the family or office. Maybe it means you're left out or you're excluded or you're not invited to go hang out with everybody else. Oh, you know, don't invite the goody two-shoes Christian to come along. Hey, well, what, about, what about asking them to come along? No way, man, because we're going to be doing this stuff and they don't like that. So let's just not, you know. It might mean isolation. It might mean you lose followers on social media and not get the likes that you want all the time, all right? Or the little hearts, yay. We live for those hearts, don't we? <laughs> Thumbs up. It might mean that someone makes things very tough and very hard for you. In your family or even especially at work, they'll go out of your way to make things hard for you. You might miss out on promotions or opportunities or some kind of benefit at work because you're a believer. It, it, it might mean they question or will even attack the very things that you believe like God's word. It might mean that someone might laugh right in your face. They'll poke fun of you. You'll be the target of pranks. You'll be argued at. It's a great pastor by the name of Pastor Chuck Smith who wrote one time, we don't like to be ridiculed. We don't like to be mocked. And mockery is oftentimes a tool used to discourage 
a person in the work of God. And you better believe the enemy's gonna try to get you to be discouraged about the work that God wants to do in your life. As a parent, as a godly spouse, as a believer in the marketplace, coaching those, those little ones or wherever we go, or teaching, if you're a teacher, or you work in schools, we could list all the scenarios, but God's called you to where you are. God's put a burden and vision in your heart, maybe to start business. We, we've talked about those things at the beginning of the series, but the, the, the enemy wants to discourage you from doing these things and living out your faith, so he might even use ridicule and opposition to get you to be discouraged in that work. Think about, you know, I had a birthday this weekend, and so I, you know, I'm thinking about my life, and I remember high school. My high school years was, was just a few years ago. You know what I mean? Um, just a couple of years, you know what I'm saying? A couple. But I remember I used to carry my Bible in high school. Um, I went to high school. There was, I was it just through the three upper grades, sophomore, junior, and senior, freshmen were in a, like middle school or oh, I forget what we called it, but there was like well over 3,000. It was a, I went to a big school, okay? Um, but I used to carry my Bible around and in, in my senior class, I was voted most likely to become a TV evangelist. How about that? <laughs> and listen, now that we stream all over the world, <laughs> praise God, they were prophetic and they didn't even realize it anyway. <laughs> But I used to carry my Bible in high school, and I would place it, when I get to my class, I would place it on my desk right there, okay? Dude, I remember in chemistry class, at one point, a student next to me, he placed a Bible on his desk too, but it wasn't the Holy Bible. It was a Bible from our enemy. And he did it just to spite me, mock me. I tried to be a witness for Christ at school. And I remember giving this Bible. I remember what this Bible looked like. It was a beautiful hardbound Bible with brown covers with beautiful pages. I gave it to, I was in a Midsummer Night's Dream. I was one of the co-leads. I was Demetrius the lover, you know. Hey, anyway. <laughs> but uh, my coworker, uh, Lysander, he played Lysander anyway. My co, not coworker, but the, the co-lead. He wasn't a believer. And so I felt impressed to give him a Bible. And I did. I gave him a beautiful Bible, okay? About a month and a half later, he comes up to me and goes, Greg, I just want to th thank you for that Bible, man. That was great. And I was like, hey, okay, thank you. And he goes, yeah. He goes, those pages are so thin and the consistency is so perfect for rolling joints. It's awesome. Hopefully he read as he's rolling. You know what I mean? Uh, but guys, that's the truth as believers, We'll get ridiculed, we'll get mocked, we'll may be made fun of. The Apostle Paul makes a very sobering statement in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. He says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If we're following Christ, gang, that's what we've signed up for, okay? We do it for Christ. Paul didn't say that they might be persecuted or, you know, maybe if things get rough, they, they, they might get persecuted. No, he said they will be persecuted. And I ask up here, if you're not being persecuted in some way by family or friends or at work or even on social media, 
I can't help but wonder, why not? Why not? Because if we are living out our faith, we are shining the light of Christ, we are following what God's placed on our hearts to do, the burdens, the visions, the calling, we're going to be persecuted. We're going to be ridiculed. We're going to be mocked. We're going to be mistreated. We're going to be left out. Oh, Greg, I don't like that kind of preaching. I don't like that kind of teaching. Just tell me how to feel good. Greg, just tell me what makes me feel awesome and warm fuzzies and I want to pat each other on the back and say, yay, good job, team. I don't like that. Listen, that's the truth of the Bible. That's the truth of God's word. I'll never forget sitting in a theater. Remember when The Passion of the Christ came out? Remember that movie, you guys? I'll never forget sitting in the middle of the theater and, and Jesus is sitting there with his apostles and he says, hey, if they've persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. A slave is not greater than their, mas- their, their master. And dude, it was just like a, a, a biblical truth bomb. Just went, boom. Because at that time, I was getting frustrated about how the world was treating believers. And, and, and there was a, a book that was just written um, called Persecuted, and an outline, it was like this thick, and it just went over example, example, example of modern believers being persecuted in high schools, you know, for praying at football games and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't like Fox's Book of Martyrs that happened in the first century AD. No, it was happening now and then, and I was getting frustrated, and I was getting angry, a, a righteous anger, but I sit in that theater, and when, 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 when Jesus said that to his disciples, it's like, Lord, Yes. They made fun of you, Jesus. They persecuted you. They ridiculed you. And I know when I follow you, that's coming. And it's not me that they're making fun of. They're making fun of you in me, Christ. So if you're not facing some type of person, even if it's on social media, ask yourself, why not? Because it's a true fact. Like Paul says, everyone who follows Christ to lives a, desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So how do we handle this persecution as believers? And I know some of you are going through it right now because you've told me or I, I, I hear it in your testimonies. So how do we handle persecution as believers? And that's what I'm gonna talk about it just for like three or four minutes today then we'll cover it with so much more next week. How do we handle persecution and ridicule and opposition? We look to Jesus Christ. How did he handle it? In the gospel of Mark chapter five, Jesus is about to raise a 12-year-old girl from the dead. There's a leader of the synagogue, the Jewish synagogue. His daughter had died and they requested that Jesus go there, okay? So he walks into the house where the family and the people were, and Mark records that there was, there was a great commotion going on. I mean, people were, were crying, and they were wailing, and they were mourning. And if you've lost someone in your life, you can relate to this. I mean, they, they were beside themselves. This was a, a little girl. And then they're like, ah, that, that was a horrible, never mind. I'm not even going to try to back. But anyway, they were, you get the point, right? They were literally beside themselves in mourning and crying and tears. And so Jesus enters this scene and he says, why are you guys acting like this? He says, the child isn't dead. She's simply asleep. This is the son of God. 
This is the Messiah, okay? And all of a sudden, their weeping and mourning turns on a dime, and that turns into ridicule and laughing. They begin to make fun of Jesus for his statement. The King James Version translation says that they laughed Jesus to scorn, Mark 5.40. They laughed Jesus to scorn. That didn't make Jesus say, oh, I don't know what I was thinking. I guess you guys are right. Nothing to be done here, nothing to see. Let's move along. Let's keep crying, okay? No, Jesus knew what he had to do. He knew what he was called to do. So he blocked them out and he healed the girl. He didn't listen to the criticism. He didn't listen to the ridicule. And he did it all for the glory of God. Listen, gang, that's how we handle criticism. It might be sharp. It might hurt. It can be very hard to do, but we have to ignore it, block it out, pay no attention to it, turn it off, you know, put fingers in your ear. I'm like, no, no, I'm not listening to that. I'm not listening to that. Walk away if you have to. And you don't let the ridicule derail you from the vision that God's given you. You don't let the ridicule or the opposition derail you from the calling that God's called you to do. What he's placed in your heart to do for him, to live for him. And by no means do you ever listen to those who say, hey, that can't be done. You'll never do it. How can God use a person like you? It's too big for you. It's not worth it. You're not good enough. You're not talented enough. You don't have the right education. You're not smart enough. You don't have the family pedigree. You're never going to amount to anything. You're too young to do that. You're too old to be able to do that. Listen, you turn a deaf ear towards those who say such things. They might hurt. They may sting. They may hit in sensitive places. But you turn a deaf ear to those kinds of things because those words of ridicule and opposition are not biblical, are not biblical. I've got a good friend who's up in Tucson, Arizona, no, Phoenix, Arizona, and I knew him from Cincinnati. Dude has got such an amazing testimony, and his vision is to to reach out to the homeless and, and the homeless community all last year. I think they put like 40-something, they took 40-something people off the streets and give them education and purpose, and it's just great. But he also builds weights. I'm going to try to get him to come speak down here because his name's Zippy Dirks, and he's amazing, okay? But he, he's big into working out and lifting, so he wanted to build a gym, like a gymnasium. He had that in Cincinnati, but not out there. So he showed me a picture just a couple of weeks ago of the start of his gym, and he's got some racks and some weights, and he says, people said I couldn't do it. I shouldn't do it, okay? They said, this isn't gonna work. He goes, but I know what God's called me to do and we're getting it done. That's what I'm talking about this, this, this morning. We're like Jesus in Mark 5. We ignore it, block it out, and get to work for God. You hear me? We ignore the ridicule, block out the criticism, and get to work for God, building and advancing the kingdom and the vision that God has given you. And with the help of the Holy Spirit inside of you, doing what God has called you to do, pursuing the dreams and visions that God's placed on your heart, living the life that God's called you to live, following and standing on the word of truth. I like what one preacher said one time, faith sometimes begins by stuffing your ears with cotton. (laughs) And that's so true. Listen, Luther, if you want to come up this morning, bro, that'd be great. 
no matter how someone reacts to you or opposes you, you have determined in your heart the words of the old hymn. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And the remaining verses say, though none go with me, still I will follow. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back, no turning back. It was so cool in Ecuador. You guys are gonna hear about Ecuador for the next like year probably. <laughs> we were blessed, me and another young man named Jacob who is, is a vocalist, trained vocalist. We, way up in the, up in the jungle, and uh, I, I, what's the name of the, the church? What was it? Kachino Winu? Yeah, I don't know how to say it. Yeah, see Rafa. Anyway, it's one where there's no windows. It's just slat board. All they have is a tin roof and slat boards, no AC, open air, benches to sit on, ants are everywhere. Matter of fact, I got to preach up there, and the, the pastor, Julier, told me, and Rafa was translating, and before he preached, he goes, make sure you guys shuffle your feet, because if you don't, the ants will get all over you and bite you. So as I'm preaching, I'm doing you think I'm moving up here, dude, right there. And Rafa was doing the same thing while he's translated. Quite a vision. But we sang this song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. We started in English. Then they sang it in Spanish. Then they sang it in, in Quichua, which is their language. And then we did it all together. And so in three different languages, we were singing that song. And it's beautiful. But it's a determination of the heart. I'm going to follow Jesus. Hey, ridicule me, mock me, leave me out of things, bypass me for stuff. Even maybe even it comes down to it, physically hurt me. It doesn't matter. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm not turning back. I've taken up my cross and I'm following Christ. So this morning, if you're watching online or you're here and you're facing ridicule or opposition in any way because of Christ in your life, be encouraged, take heart, because he knows ridicule firsthand. Not only was Jesus ridiculed there in Mark 5, but again, when he's on the cross for us, a very vulnerable moment in Christ's life, he's hanging on the cross and he's dying. The religious leaders were ridiculing him. Whoa, he's dying. Hey, you said you're the Christ. You said you're going to save people. If you can save people, then save yourself, Christ. He said on the third day, he'll raise again. Christ knows ridicule firsthand. He knows persecution firsthand. He knows opposition so be encouraged. Because when we face criticism, and we'll talk about this more next week, it's so good. It just shows we're following Christ. And we, we are where we need to be. And he's with us. So, so don't give up. Don't give in. Don't quit. Keep going. Or as my dad would always say, one of his dadisms, keep on keeping on. 
memorize and take heart the words of the Apostle Paul that we read earlier, Romans 8.31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If Christ is for you, no one or no thing can be against you. And one day you'll stand before the Lord and you'll hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Matthew chapter 25, verse 23. Lord, I just pray right now through the power of the Holy Spirit that you would help these that are in this body of believers that are facing opposition or ridicule or mockery questioning, and even adverse reactions from coworkers, school classmates, professors, neighbors, close family workers or family members, children, and, and even spouses, Lord. Help them through the power of your Holy Spirit to stand strong and firm in you and to stand firm in your word. Fill them with your peace. Fill them with your grace. Fill them with your presence. Let them know that you know firsthand, Jesus, what ridicule is all about, what opposition is about, what people laughing right in your face is about. Jesus, you are, they, they pulled you in the early mornings, on the early morning of your Passion Week in front of the Sanhedrin, and they, they blindfolded you, and they spit on you, and they slapped you, and they're like, who struck you? If you prophesy, Jesus, who struck you? Jesus, you know, and let us take heart in that and comfort in that. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would encourage any and all who are facing opposition for your name's sake, Jesus. And that we wouldn't let it hinder us or derail us from what you've called us to do, what you've placed in our hearts to do, and how you've outlined in your word the people of God that we're supposed to be. And even if we feel like we're the only one, we'll still say, you know what, though no one go with me, I will follow. The world behind me, Jesus, you're before me. I'm going to passionately follow you with all that I have. We thank you in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Be encouraged this morning by God's word. Be blessed in the name of Jesus Christ. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't quit. Jesus is with you. Amen. Let's sing this last song before we're dismissed today.